Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Greetings, friends. Matt Drinkon here with your host of the Eternal Optimist podcast. It's great to have you here and I appreciate you all being here. Thank you. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. As we dive in today, I'm going to start with a quote from one of my favorite books, Conversations Worth Having, written by Jackie Stavros and Sherry Torres. It's a book around using appreciative inquiry to fuel productive, meaningful engagement. Here's the quote. When you approach each vital conversation as if it could become the most important conversation you might ever have, you can create a positive legacy. How often do we think of our next conversation with this kind of alertness and high anticipation? Imagine this, friends. The value of our conversations could be exponential. And this conversation today with Mr. Jason Bronstadt offers such insight. Jason's the CEO of Melk Organics, and that's spelled M-A-L-K, organics. He prides himself on being a family man and a part of the Front Row Dads, which of course is a community of dads who are learning strategies to be more effective and efficient in fulfilling our roles as husbands and fathers. Jason's a business turnaround executive, has over 20 years of experience in the food and beverage industry. Here's something amazing about Jason. Not too long ago, he weighed over 315 pounds. What's amazing about that is that today, he's approximately 100 pounds lighter. He has recommitted his life to one of living to his purpose and living to his values. Today, he's gonna share a number of those values with you and how he made these transformations in his marriage, in being a parent, in his businesses, all throughout this incredibly challenging time of COVID that we've all been enduring. Jason not only has been surviving, he has been thriving and it's because of his intentional choices to do so. This is a man I have a high degree of respect for. In addition to being a front row dad and someone who's CEO of a business which is helping the world, he's also someone that is a jujitsu expert as he has won a trophy or a title recently down where he's from in Texas. Jason's amazing. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my dear friend, Jason Bronstadt. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. I want to welcome everyone to the Eternal Optimist Podcast and... Today on our show is a dear, dear friend who I've met face-to-face a number of times now, Mr. Jason Bronstadt. Jason, how are you, brother? 
I am living the dream and I'm just super excited to get to spend more time with you, coach. Oh, well, hell yeah. What a great response. What a great response. You know, we've been friends for some time and I've actually never said out loud in front of you your last name. So I hope that I get that right. Bronstadt. Nailed it. Bronstadt. Yes, sir. Oh, good. Well, Jason Bronstadt, someone that I hope everyone takes special note today because Jason's had a good impact in my life. I say good. I mean, I, I'm thinking about him all the time for a couple of reasons. Number one, I love his product. He leads an organization called Malk. Am I saying it right? Malk? You Malk. are. Malk, Malk Organics. Malk Organics. And I love the product, so I'm sure we'll talk about some of that today. Jason, let's start off with what are the things that we need to know about you? Just a few bullet points, please, to help us get to know you. Absolutely. First and foremost, I'm a family man that happens to have the opportunity to run a business. And uh, that is the most important thing. I've got an incredible bride of 17 years, my wife, Melissa. I've got a daughter who's nine and a half and a son who turns six in about five or six days. So uh, I have a six-year-old who lost his second front tooth today. He was on a walk with Mama Bear this morning, lost his second tooth. So I'm excited to to fly home tonight and, and hug him and see that toothless smile. Excellent. Thank you. Is there, and this may be a controversial topic, so if you decline, that's okay. But is there a tooth fairy presence in the Bronstadt home and what might that look like? Yeah, the tooth fairy. So we were actually on vacation in Cabo with the entire family last week. He lost his other front tooth. And the tooth fairy not only had some U.S. dollars, but also landed some pesos. So he was walking around with a hundred peso bill. And he thought he was just the winner of the lottery at that point, thanks to a special tooth fairy aunt and uncle. (laughs) So I had some fun with that. But yeah, the the price of teeth have gone up over the years. I remember getting excited about a quarter and you know, it's typically $2 bills flying around the household nowadays. That's right. That's right. I remember back in 1981 and two, getting the quarter and that little blue pillow my grandma knitted. And now I think the inflation is, is hit the tooth fairy market even <laughs> higher than any other product in the history of the world because tooth, tooth, teeth are worth like every once in a while. It's like the tooth fairy has a, a $20 bill that shows up sometimes or a $5 bill. I, either way, it's it's hit, of course. Rumor has it, if they pull their own teeth out, they get a five or a ten. Wow, wow. Well, I'll have to uh, check with the Tooth Fairy Union to check on that one. Of course, we can always have fun in a conversation. I'd love to dive into the deep stuff pretty quick and and go to the challenges, Jason. And one of the things on our show, as you know, we want to offer hope and show people that other successful people out there have had hard stuff that they have endured, that they have overcome, and they've learned from these things. And I'd love for you to take us back somewhere in your world and share with us a challenge and share the details, and we'll, we'll kind of dive in there. Yeah, so I'll uh, take it back to 20, uh, 2019 into early 2020, and I found myself for the first time in my career unemployed. So I had left a job. It was an amicable separation, and you know the, the company was going a different direction. I was part of the, the exit plan for my role. And I found myself in this in this space I'd never been in. I had always been the the high charger, fast charger, always into the next new job, and all of a sudden I'm unemployed. And I had some incredible wisdom from the leader of the company I left. He said, "Hey, take a few months off. You've never taken time off in your career. Go spend some time with your family, kind of reset." Now this is January and February of 2020, so my brilliant brain was going to start searching for my my next endeavor in March of 2020. <laughs> Timing could not have been worse. But it was really, it was a serendipitous time in my life because I was in the middle of, of shifting 
my health journey, repairing and and building the relationship that my wife and I had always wanted and dreamed of. And so at that point, I started doing some consulting that actually led into the opportunity I'm in now with Malk Organics in the back half of 2020. So that was uh, that was a challenge that it hit me harder than I thought. You know, I was always uh, the guy that had a job. I was always moving to the next job. People were calling me saying, hey, what's going on? You know, we've got this great opportunity we want to talk to you about. Mm. And to be in that position in life where it's like, I don't have a job. Yeah. I, I, I had based my identity around being the provider of my family. Mm. Mm. So as a provider of my family, I'm sitting there at home every day. Mm. You know, obviously, I'm on the hunt looking for jobs, you know, pursuing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was an incredible time. I was able to train, you know, 30 times a month at that point and really honed my skills there and a passion that I found. Mm-hmm. But as how I had defined my identity and self-worth, I had failed. I was unemployed. Well, you mentioned three main, I would say, buckets or three avenues. You talked about your shifting health journey. You talked about the empowered, strengthening relationship with your wife. You talked about uh, making the move from to consulting to eventually to Malk Organics. And so those are three areas. You found yourself near the end of 2019, started 2020 unemployed, right around, lo and behold, those of you listening who don't know, probably all of you have heard by now, that there was the COVID starting to happen in March of 2020 in the United States is where it really, really took off and, and became nationally a big challenge for all of us. And this is when you we're going to begin the uh, the journey. So if you could take us back to each of those, why a shifting health journey? Like why at that time, where were you with your health, Jason? Most of my life, coach, I was walk around weight between 280 and 315. And I was nowhere near healthy. What I've learned and what I've embraced is that which we put inside our body is who we are. And I was putting in junk food, copious amounts of it, I was putting in copious amounts of alcohol and I was not exercising. And it started, my health journey started in probably mid 2019. And it was really to support my daughter and help her to gain some confidence. So we, we started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, you know, I started there as a, the big guy. I was 315 pounds when I started my first class. And it was the most humbling endeavor I'd ever pursued. When you get on the mats and you've got somebody that is a fraction of your size that can just dominate you. And I had never felt that humiliation. My ego took such an epic beating and it was the most refreshing thing I'd ever felt because it was, okay, I can get absolutely destroyed by anyone. I'm not the big, strong guy that I think I am. Um, Jason, give us give us some frame, please, if you could. Give us a little frame. How tall are you? How much do you weigh today? Yeah, I'm six foot two, two fifteen, two twenty is my walk around weight. So I've lost around a hundred pounds in the last three years. Wow. Okay, I started to erupt. So please take us back to that that first experience, dominated by someone significantly smaller. Ego. Please take us back there and jump back in. Yeah, absolutely. So the the very first class is it. The gentleman is now Professor Hushang, but Coach Hushang at the time, he was a brown belt. He's been promoted to a black belt. It was Neon Belly Week. So I had a guy who was six foot four, 285 pounds, with a knee firmly planted in my big old wobbly gut. 
And I just, you know, you couldn't breathe. So in, in jujitsu, you tap early and tap often. So I was tapping out and, you know, eight of the first 10 classes, I was, I had to go, you know, empty the bowels afterwards. I go outside of the gym. It's like, okay, this is absolutely destroying me. And it was such a learning experience about how do you subordinate your ego? How do you humble yourself to say, I'm not good at this. In fact, I'm not only not good, I'm terrible. Whew. And I've taken so many lessons from jujitsu. That must have been really tough for someone who has found success in a lot of things in their world to have to humble the ego like that. Go deeper in that feeling for us. Yeah, it was it was something that you know there, there's a there's a Bible verse I'm a big fan of. And it's Proverbs twelve, verse one. To learn you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Mm. Okay. I hated correction most of my life. I wanted to be right. I wanted to be the person that had the answer. I wanted to be the person that could go make anything right. And I failed to use the ears in the proportion to the mouth. God blessed us with two ears and one mouth, and I did not use them in that proportion. So as I, I went down the, the journey of jujitsu, and it was all about learning, and it's about every correction that your teammates and your coaches would make. And when you sit there and realize the true journey in life is about learning, and you can take that and apply that to everything you do, it's shifted my entire mentality. Hmm. I'm thinking about this, this correction concept in Proverbs 12.1 and and now that you are into this journey for a couple of years, I'm wondering how has correction, or I might even call it feedback, your word correction, how is correction and learning to be open to that, to accept that, played a role in, in your learning and growth journey since this humbling experience? It's been everything. It's impacted my relationship with my wife. We've been married 17 years. I can probably sit here and say that I have listened to her the right way over the last three years. Huh. For the first 14 years, God bless her. She dealt with me being that hard-charging, ego-driven dude. And now I can sit there and say, I actually sit there and listen to my wife. And the depth of our relationship, the depth of our connection, because I've chosen to listen and take her feedback to take her corrections and to give her the safe space where she can actually give me the feedback. I mean, couples counseling for us, and we started that in mid-2019, transformed our relationship. And that's more correction, right? So I've got this giant ego. I've been feeding the ego my whole life. And I start jujitsu, I get humbled. I go to couples counseling, I get humbled. And I realize... Who can fix me but me? Ah. But there's an entire universe around that has insight and perspective about what I can do better or what I can do different or what they see or how I make them feel. Mm. Wow. This, this is amazing to, to experience this with you because I only know you post-correction. I've, I've known you now for maybe a couple of years from the front row dads. And I remember the first retreat where I met you and I've only known you since you've been open to feedback. And I, I wonder, because I was on a very similar journey where 
I didn't accept feedback easily. People have told me this. Of course, I don't know what they're talking about, but people have told me this. And it was, uh, wasn't until I was around 37 years old, I was able to really start accepting a correction or feedback from others. You know, and I feel like the, the veil has been lifted or like a new lens is over everything now that it is all about how much I can learn rather than how much I know and convince you I'm right. And so I think that we have something in common there. I think a lot of our, our listeners might have that in common. I, I guess uh, here's where I'm going with it, Jason. It might be if correction or feedback is the gateway or the entrance point to connecting better with our, deeper with our significant others. If it's the way to feedback on how we pursue health, fitness, nutrition, if it's the way that we pursue feedback or pursue excellence in our careers, then feedback and correction is quite possibly the, one of the most powerful tools out there. And how do we get others to that place? How do we help others get to that place? I, I just want to sit there and absorb that for a second, Matt, because that is so powerful. And it's, it's being willing to be open. Mm. And what was it? I mean, for me, I know that it was the confluence of events that led me to willingness to be open. Mm. And mine was around 38, 39 years old. So mm. similar time in life as you, Coach. Yeah. So my question is, was there a, an aha moment that you experienced that said, okay, I got it. I'll stop and I'll listen now. Or was it a kind of a series of events that built up? I can tell you the very specific moment on December 26th, 2016. We're about two and a half months, two months after our birth of our second daughter. And I went to Julie, my wife of two and a half years. And I asked her almost three years. And I asked her, Julie, uh, I asked her for some feedback. I said, how am I doing at being a husband, at being a, a husband, a father, and a human? And she said, do you really want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. What do you have to say? <laughs> and she said to me, I feel you've been lying to me. And I was like shocked because that's a trigger word for me to say I'm lying. That's one of the big three. Don't, don't say that to me, right? Well, she said it to me and I just promised her that I was open to whatever she had to say to me. So I had to really bite my tongue. You're like, why do you say that, dear? And like inside, I'm starting to feel the anger come up and then the frustration come up already. Trying to, I want to justify. I want to rationalize and, and plead my case. But I promised her I'd listen. And then she said to me, you said you buy a new car. You get rid of your sports car when we had a second child. And Right now, you haven't done that. We've talked about three times in the last two months, and you haven't done it yet. So I feel like you've been saying one thing and doing the exact opposite. And in my mind, Jason, it was really simple. It was, this is something we are going to do. It's not a high priority right now. We are going to do it. So like you, I learned that I, I wasn't listening. I heard her. The words were falling on deaf ears. It was all on my terms, my priority list. And that was a very humbling experience. So. We went out and got the car and they made it a point every quarter. And when I say quarter, I'm thinking months. Every three months, I make a note in my calendar at the last week of the quarter to make sure I intentionally sit down and ask Julie for some feedback on how I'm doing as a husband, as a father, and as a human. Because who would know better than the person that, that puts up with me all the time? And uh, That's so powerful. That's been very helpful. It's been very helpful and very humbling. 
very humbling. That is right. Have you had the chance with your your daughters yet to ask them how you're doing as a father? That's a great question too. And and my daughters for the listeners are seven, five, and three. And I've asked every one of them on what we call board meetings. And a board meeting is where I will go and and take four hours uninterrupted, no electronics, $50 budget and take one daughter. And we will go and spend some time outside the house somewhere doing whatever they want. No agenda for me, whatever they want. And my seven-year-old, I've been asking her for almost three years now on board meetings, that question. And she is really, she's really getting it. You know, but I don't say what some might say. I try to keep it simple because they're so young. I say, what am I doing good? And, you know, what do I need to stop doing? You know, what, what am I doing bad? I try to keep it in real simple terms. And they tell me. And when my daughter, <laughs> when my daughter said to me three years ago, stop yelling. I uh, I really had to to make a, a real seismic shift in the way that I was showing up because I I tended to yell not a, not a shameful or a um, in any way I would say her name really loud on the back of Zoom calls and two rooms away she would say something and that would get me to yell her name and I did that pretty consistently for about sixteen months and I I feel that ever since I joined the front row dads. And got coached on this, this, this anger or this needs to be my way, being open to feedback and correction, like we're talking about, it's been a monumental shift. So, yeah. I I have to share an exact, I I got teary eyed right there because when my son Holden said, I don't like you when you use your dad voice, I sat there and just cried in front of him because I know, I know exactly what he means. And it is because I don't have, and I, I didn't use self-control and I didn't get down on his level and I didn't talk to him. I don't think I knew how to talk to a child. So instead I would talk to him like I was talking to an adult or expect the same response I would expect from a peer. And I love the way you said it, Matt, you don't use the words, you ask the simple questions, you know, what can they comprehend and how can they provide feedback? And I too, we love the board meetings. I like the $50 budget. I'm about to talk to Melissa about this. This is, uh, we might blow that budget on our board meetings, but having that conversation and I, you know, I'm six foot two, my son's, I don't know, he's six years old. He's, he's small. I'll sit down on the ground and I'll sit there and I, I can look him in the eye, eye to eye. And with my daughter, I'll sit on the bed. She's over five foot now, but I'll sit on the bed next to her and I'll look her eye to eye. And that's how I'll have the conversation with and that's something that, and I agree 100% front row dads had such a significant influence on my ability to approach this in a way that they are receptive to it. And the connection with my children over the last two and a half years has grown exponentially. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. You're, what you say, getting on their level, I think uh, in our in our front row dads telegram thread, Scott Groves is talking about that with the uh, the Danish way of parenting that book. And I recommend that because I, I got it, I read it. And that was probably the thing I took away from it the most is that whenever they, they see me, and we'll, we'll go to this next, they can also go to business and they see us as the owner slash leader and having that discussion. But when it comes to our kids, I'm six foot six, you know, 230 pounds. Well, pardon me. 223 this week because I've been exercising for the city championship, you know, getting getting lean and ready. But either way, they I'm I'm giant to them. So I can see how my dad voice might show up as kind of scary. 
right? So taking that feedback from them and being able to to be patient with it. And I'll, I'll even throw another plug in for a front row dad. I just, it was a year and a half ago or some time ago, how Elrod came out with that Miracle Morning app. And I was not able to download it for some reason the first time. So I haven't been using it, but I saw a post in the Miracle Morning community recently, as little as three days ago, I downloaded the app perfectly. And now I'm using it every day again. But one of the things that I do in the Miracle Morning every morning is I do the affirmations. You know, and the affirmations have been probably the biggest significant daily habit that have helped me to improve in the patience and ability to accept feedback because that's a Miracle Morning affirmation for me, right? So I would love, Jason, if you would go with me to the second bucket or the third bucket. We, we talked about our health journey and that led to feedback and, and correction. And then we go to the, uh, the relationship with our spouses. You know, if you could take us back to that in 2019, when you started to go to counseling and how that journey has evolved into something powerful. No, it's been, I'm, I'm so blessed, Matt. I'm so blessed with the patient bride. It's a fun story. So we met in 2003 on match.com. And uh, we are a Match.com success story. What was your tagline, by the way? What was your name? Were you like Jason the B-Man Beaster? What what was your uh, Match.com name? (laughs) I don't remember exactly. Uh, Melissa brought it up the other day. It was something like Lone Wolf or something like that. (laughs) Or Texas Lone Lone Wolf. Wolf or something like that. Something along those lines. But here's the best part, Coach. She didn't find me. Her mom did. What? Nice. Nice. She was, she'd been seeing this guy that her parents didn't approve of. And and my wife said, well, if you don't like him, then find somebody else. And one day her mom called her up, said, I found your husband. And she's like, what do you mean? Oh, she nailed it. She nailed it. So just a a fun, a fun story and a plug for my mother-in-law. I appreciate what she did to to bring Melissa into my life. But in 2019, to, to get back to your question, you know, we, my ego had not allowed us to be the marriage that I always wanted. I knew that I wanted to be married to her forever, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it meant to be just, I was, I've always been in love with her. We've had our two amazing children, but I shared with you, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to her. It was my way or the highway. And, you know, I would scare my wife and that's not healthy. I was in the alcohol industry for eight and a half years, and there were too many times that I overserved myself. Mm. And when you do stupid things, you make stupid decisions. And realizing the impact that that had on my wife, it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking when you reflect back and you know you start to look back at the things you did. It's like, oh, I was having fun. No, I was being a stupid drunk. And then you you start to reflect and go, what's the most important things in my life? And it really came down to three things. It was faith and family. It was my health and it was work. And I was completely out of proportion with those three because I was probably 85% into work and I'd split the other 15% between my family and faith and my health. And through the counseling, it was really putting the most important thing first. And that was the relationship with my wife. And finding a way for us to connect and accepting her feedback and her corrections. Wow. So, and first of all, really wise man you are. Plugging the mother-in-law here on the, this fantastic, you are a genius. I love my mother-in-law too. So, you, you're you married, 
challenging time through some of those times and you got to a place where now you were able to accept feedback, really connect on a level that she wants, she needs, you know, what is it now that you're able to give her or that she needed that you couldn't give her before, but now she's getting, it's making the relationship so amazing now. I'm sharing the burden at home in a way that I never did before. And, you know, because I put 85% of my, my life into work, I had the expectation, okay, she will take care of the home. She will keep the house clean. She will keep uh, the foods prepared. I, uh, uh, so, you know, how chauvinistic is that? I felt terrible upon reflection of how much I put on her with these expectations. And I'm the one that's a clean freak in the house. And I put the burden on her to have the house clean. Yet I'm the one that, that wants it to be clean. I want the drawers, you know, closed. I want it, I want it perfect. Ego, mm-hmm. right? Again, mm-hmm. the ego's in the way. And it's grace is the most important thing is we've reached the understanding and I've got to the point to say, I understand now what's important to you and what's important to her is for us to have time together. Mm. What's important to her is that she has some of the time to herself, right? She needs her time to decompress. Now, our kids are in school. But she is very active in their education life and their extracurricular activities. But when did Melissa get time for herself? I never gave that to her. So how can she grow as a person if she doesn't get the time to herself? So, you know, we're just, my daughter's at my in-law's house right now. We're planning to pick her up this weekend. We live about a couple hundred miles apart. So we're going to meet him in the middle. And I said, hey, I'll go get, I'll go get Vivian. Holden and I will go get Vivian because one of her passions now that she's found at our local gym is a dance champs class. And I know that one of her absolute favorites is Sunday mornings. It's like, you know what? I'm excited because not only do I get to give her that time to herself, she gets to go to her favorite class. And selfishly, I get an hour and a half to two hours with my son on the way up, but I get another two hours on the way back with both my kids. So it's just a win, win, win because I understand what she needs to fill her soul. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is take a deep breath and be cool, baby. Be cool. You ever been driving in traffic and someone cuts you off or someone is in the left lane driving slow? Ever been in the car and the kids have been at each other's throats and it's really gotten to you? Ever been late to a meeting yourself or seen someone late to an important meeting and either got you frustrated with yourself or got you frustrated towards someone else? You know, ever seen your spouse say something or do something that was different than you would have done it and it really set you off? Team, we might get triggered by any number of things at any given time. The environment can be a real beast when we're not prepared. Well, let's prepare ourselves with this thought. Take a deep breath and be cool, baby. Be cool. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Ah, man. I love the way you've taken both of these first two journeys, the health journey and your most your relationship with your wife journey, and you've made a 180-degree shift in both, and now they're both spectacular. What a, That's inspirational. Thank you for sharing that so far. I, I guess let's, let's close the loop here and go to the work journey where nine, eight or nine years, alcohol industry out and start of 2020 in March, you're starting to look for something. And, you know, what was your work journey, the challenge you overcame there and 
Walk us through that, please. I have had an incredible journey in my entire career, and I'll, I'll go back even further, Coach. Yeah, you know, I've always been in the consumer packaged goods space. So basically, anything you can buy at a store is considered a consumer consumer packaged good. So be it I used to work in packaged meats, frozen foods. I've been in the alcohol space. So throughout that journey, I found that you know it's really a passion to ensure that we get great quality food to consumers high quality. And I've been fortunate almost my entire career to be selling the number one or the number two brand in almost any category that I fought. And it's like, Hey, this is awesome. I get to join these companies and sell, you know, you know, certain hot dogs or breakfast sausage or, you know, flavored malt beverages, frozen Italian food. And as I was continuing down my journey and looking for the next opportunity, it was a big introspective time. It's like, what fits with me now, right? What is right for the journey that I'm on? And that journey in 2020, and it's serendipitous, is, you know, you, you kind of put your desires out into the world and you, it's amazing how God fulfills those, those things that you need and just blesses you. I got a phone call from a buddy that I worked with. I worked with him when I moved to Austin in 2016. He said, hey, there's this company I'm doing some work with. They need someone like you to come in. I'm like, cool. What's it? What is it? He's like, well, the the founder of Malk Organics is looking for someone to step in and help take the company to the next level. And the board of directors would like to talk to you. It's like, let's talk. I think it was like 10 days later, I'm in the office in Houston as a consultant and working with the team. And it is such a fulfilling company because it is the cleanest plant-based product out there. You know, we pride ourselves in being an organic, simple ingredient product, and we're fulfilling people's lifestyle journeys now, right? People are looking for clean alternatives to dairy, and there's so many alternatives to dairy out there that have fillers and gums and oils and carrageens, and I've had the opportunity to step in to, to lead this company that is clean, simple ingredients. I'll go back to something I said earlier. We are what we put inside our bodies. So we have the opportunity to minimize the number of ingredients that we're putting into our bodies. Our bodies can process it, to recognize it. My almond, unsweetened almond milk has almonds, Himalayan pink salt, and water. My original oat has oat, organic oats, flour, and Himalayan salt. That's it. So it is so fulfilling to be able to expand the distribution and bring malt to more consumers across the U.S. and take them on that journey with us. So that's been, that's the, that's the journey into Malk. Mm. Well, I'll just throw a quick testimonial in here because I have started to become a lover of your product. You know, I recently tried several different types of it and we've been getting almond milk for years now. And my five-year-old daughter would not drink it. She didn't like the taste of it. And she grabbed uh, two of the different containers of uh, malt organic that we've had laying around in, in the last couple of weeks. And she has literally taken it and chugged it, much to my dismay, because I wanted some malt too. So I think you've got a, a, young, a young product fan here in my family. And I don't mean just me. I mean, my daughter, she, she, she loves it too. So we are fans of it and I, I will testify to it. It's, it's fantastic. And, and one of the things that really appealed to me about it, I mean, I love the advertising where it says like gum free and it says all natural. And it's something that, uh, as you just described, there's none of that extra crap in there. I don't know what it is. Right. So 
I'm a fan and I, I'll yell it on top of the mountain. I, I love your product and we, we buy it ourselves. I appreciate it. We're, we're pushing our, our campaign is, is literally it's hashtag turn it around. And we're encouraging consumers to take any product they have in their house, any product they're considering buying in the grocery store, turn it around and look at the ingredients on the back. Before you buy it, before you consume it, know what you're putting into your body. Mm. Well, if I if I do that, what am I going to find with, I guess, I, I know what I'm going to find with your product. You just said it. It's simple. Three ingredients. <laughs> simple. What am I going to find with your competitor or something else out there that I should pause and question? So you're going to find things like oils. And you're going to find gums. You're going to find emulsifiers. You're going to find things that can stretch the raw material of the base of be it the almonds or the oats and, you know, drive profitability for the company. Ultimately, they're going to find a way to give you a product that you're going to feel healthy about because, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a dairy alternative. Yes. But how healthy is rapeseed oil? What is rapeseed oil? What is dipotassium phosphate? I have no idea, but I see it out there. I have no idea what it is, honestly. Yeah, they literally will stretch the raw material and say, you know what? I don't have to put as many almonds into my product. I don't put as many oats into my product Mm. because I can add this oil. And, you know, the one thing we put it on our cap is people take our product is shake your milk well, because separation is natural for an ingredient that's as clean as ours. So we want you, you know, you got to shake it yourself because having three ingredients, there's nothing. And the emulsifiers, what they do is they bind the product together. Mm. So that way it's, you know, a homogenous product. As you pour it out, it's consistent. With malt, there will be separation. So shake your malt well. And that's good. Think about as you walk the perimeter of your store. Mm. You walk in and there's typically, there's some fresh squeezed juices off to the right-hand side. And you look Mm -hmm. at those and there's, more sediment at the bottom is more liquid at the top. Well, you got to shake that up before you drink it. The same with milk. Mm. I encourage people to shop the perimeter of the store as much as they can, because you're going to find less ingredients than you'll find in the center of the store, the shelf stable section. And mm. it is something that as we talk about turning it around, that's something that I've had the pleasure of working through this with my daughter. You know, she'll be 10 years old in December and we'll sit there at the at the dinner table or the breakfast table, and she will look at the ingredient deck of mm. different ingredients. It's like, Dad, what is this? At nine and a half, ten years old, I never asked that. I didn't ask that question through my 30s. What am I putting inside my body? Mm. So as I work to, to help educate my household, I want to take that same education. I want my daughter to be able to ask the questions. I want my son to ask the questions. I want my parents to ask the questions. But I want consumers across America to say, what am I putting inside? And is it what I want to put inside my body? Do I want to put oils inside of my body? What? Is, how does my body react to rapeseed oil? Mm. I've eliminated it from my body. Well, I like, I like the idea of keeping it simple, of keeping it natural, of anything that says that ends in phosphate or acid or gum or any words that I don't know what that is, coloring. I don't know what those things are, but I think there's probably some clever marketers out there that are trying to say their stuff is simple. So when you say yours is simple, it's just Himalayan Himalayan salt and it's, you know, almonds. There's nothing else in there, really. It's really just that. Wow. Yeah. And with our vanilla almond, we have, you know, vanilla extract, organic vanilla extract. And we're proud. We're launching a chocolate oat right now. And it's got, you know, cocoa, vanilla extract, oats, 
salt, and water. Five mm. simple ingredients for a chocolate oat. I guess what's the what's the benefit of something this natural, this clean compared to the competition? So the benefit for your your gut biome, and that's the thing. As I've been on my health journey, is understanding that everything that we do, the way we feel, comes through what we feel in our gut. And when I'm putting a lot of either artificial or man-made ingredients into my body, we've evolved as a species, but we haven't evolved to say, hey, I want to drink a lot of oils. We should have natural products. We should have organic products. We should have products that we can pronounce and simple ingredients. And when we make a salad, we make, you know, it's an oil and, and vinegar dressing. It's a simple dressing, high quality ingredients. And not, you know, if you look on the back of a salad dressing, there can be 10, 15 ingredients. Like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. Just a simple dressing. <laughs> I think My I think favorite I, is just put pico de gallo on it. Put simple pico de gallo. We put that on our eggs, the avocado eggs and, and some pico. We love that. We, we have used our milk for, and by the way, for those of you listening, if you're thinking, is this an infomercial for Malk Organics? It may sound that way because I am biased and I love the product and I love Jason. So yes, it may sound that way. But if you think back to the original question, we were talking about challenges you've overcome. And one of those was a health challenge. One of those was a challenge of showing up for a relationship with an open mind and, and listening better. You know, one of those was showing up in your work environment and being the best that you can be at work, right? And Jason is exemplifying all these things. And that's, these are some of the principles of his company. So it's not just sounding like an infomercial. This is really a way of life. This is this is the why behind why Jason's here, why I'm a, a customer of this product is it all comes back to, you know, living in con congruently, you know, with your values, you know, and, you know, I'd love to kind of pivot us a little bit here, Jason, and go to some of those values. You know, for someone who's had such a, a transformation in the past three years, you know, where have your values and priorities shifted now so that you're living congruently? No, I love that. So I, over the last, it's been about three months, we've been working on what, is, what does it mean to be a Bronstead? And we've had our kids actively involved and you know what words describe what a Bronstead is and we've refined these we've challenged them but uh, we've come down to these we're brave we're resilient we're observant we're neighborly we're strong we're thoughtful we're adventurous and we're determined conveniently spells Bronstead. And that's one of the things that we'll drive at our dinner table now is how have you lived the values of a Bronstead today? How have you, you know, have you been adventurous? How have you been adventurous? And now it's becoming, my daughter's like, I was brave today, or I observed this today. And we, we're so excited to, to bring those values into our conversation. And what's most exciting for me is not only is this, my family of four established these. The Bronsted family immigrated from Norway in the 1870s. And I can look back at the actions that were taken through each of the generations and say how they were brave, how they were resilient, how they were determined. 
I can go back to my great great grandfather that ran the general store and grocery store in a small town in Texas, and you know through the Great Depression and overcame the obstacles there. So it's just it's groceries have always been in the blood, have always been part of the family. So it's something that as we think about our core values and how we want to live them and how do we want to make choices. And instead of being timid or you know shy of doing something, we're going to be adventurous and it's going to push boundaries. We're going to be determined and we're going to set our minds. We're going to go win. We're going to go do something that is going to be hard, but that's when we learn. You know, we learn when we're challenged. We learn when we fail and accepting the failure and being resilient through the failures. That's what it means to be a bronze set. And that's the values. And I had so much fun. Like at, Once we got this design, or got these words put together. Then I went out and had someone design it. So now I have got a canvas in each of my kids' rooms and one down by the dining room table that has this in there. I'll have to send it to you afterwards, Coach. But um, wow. it's just, it's becoming ingrained in how we live and the values that we have. Wow. Wow. Man, you just trace back the genesis of this this transformational journey of living these core values of of having a crest or a canvas with with the name spelled out with the values there, and then the health journey, the ego being crushed and becoming humble and open to the feedback and correction. It's just so many things to to put in the conversation. I, I I guess if if there were a piece of advice I'd like to tease out here, it might be this, Jason. If somebody hears this conversation and they feel that, man, I would like to live my values, or I'd like to even know, how, how did you even come to what the values are? Because I, 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 that sounds good. I want to live that way. I want to live congruently and feel like the way that you're describing. You know, How might someone get started on that journey of living the values or identifying the values? What might be your advice to that person? Listen. Listen to what your children say. Listen to what your wife says. Listen to the stories that they share. Find what sparks them. Find what inherently inside of them brings them joy and pride. When they tell a story and you see them light up, ask the questions, pursue curiosity. And that's how we got to these, these eight is we found that these are the things that light us up. These are the things that are important to us because that's what brings us joy and ultimately defines who we are through pursuing the curiosity and asking the questions and listening, which it took me way too long in life to learn how to do. You can actually unlock this in fairly short order if you're willing to listen. Fantastic. Thank you, Jason, for sharing your journey, your transformation, the challenges of where you were and then where you've come to now and of sharing your your why, your your values and your product. And I'd love to know and share with our listeners, where might we find out more about you or, or your products or any offers you might have for the listeners today? Yeah, you can find Malk Organics, our hashtag on our, our Instagram and Facebook are both at Malk Organics. If you want to reach out to me personally and connect, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jason Bronstead. Easy to find there. But we would encourage everyone to, to go turn it around, see what you're consuming, putting in your body. And if, if your diet and your health journey is, includes plant-based products, give Malk a try. Mm. 
Well, thank you, Jason. And as we start to conclude, I would love to just to ask one more question. I remember it was a month or three or a few months ago, you'd shared a picture of you winning some Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament of some kind. And I'd love to just go back to that moment and just ask you, based on everything that you've gone through, starting at 315 pounds and getting destroyed for eight of the first 10 days and having the ego crushed and through all this journey, what did it mean to you to win that achievement, to have that medal and to share it with your son, who if I recall was also in that picture? I'm in a, a bit of a longer, longer answer. So shout out to Dane Espigard. I have a dream journal and this dream journal goes with me everywhere I go. And one of my dreams for this year was to compete in a jujitsu tournament. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. So signed up for it and trained hard for it. And it, it's a blur. The actual competition itself, the five minutes, an absolute blur. But when I was able to pick up my son after that tournament and see him absolutely glow because his pride in, in what I had accomplished and it wasn't the pride. What I saw in him is belief that I can do it too. Both of my children compete in jujitsu to be able to share that, Hey, even your old man can go out there and compete and win. And even if I hadn't have won, I would have learned something. And that's the lesson that I continue to teach with them. But to, uh, to pick up my son, to have my daughter next to me, have my wife next to me, I mean, to, to have their support. That was awesome. That was absolutely an awesome moment of my life. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason, for being on today. I wish you well in your travels today and I look forward to seeing you soon, brother. Take care. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.